The Weird, Wacky, Wonderful Stories podcast is now proud to be part of the Low Tree Studios podcast network. To enjoy more great podcasts like this one, head along to lowtreestudios.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky, Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts, Shelley and Bella. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 84 of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. Hi everybody. Today we're going to do something different. Are you going to carry on? Oh, I got to do the rest Carry too. on. Yeah, okay. you're doing well. So we are going to be interviewing family members. Interviewing. We're going to be chatting. Fine. You do it then. Okay. We're going to be chatting to family members today who have had some weird experiences along their way. We got this idea... Having spoken to my brother recently, he is not necessarily a believer. He doesn't really subscribe to a lot of the things that we follow here, which is fine because not everyone has to believe in the same thing. But some recent events have, I suppose, made him think differently. First of all, he lives further up north with his wife, Ashley, and he was in the kitchen at some point and he heard, while he was doing stuff with the microwave, he heard a man's voice. And he turned around, obviously there was no one there, didn't know where it came from, and dismissed it, as you would. He started then hearing odd noises around the house, movement, that type of thing, and there weren't people at home at the time, so there's no explanation for the noises. So it started to get so prevalent that he was unsure about it and in fact he started to feel uneasy a little bit in the house and certainly things like going upstairs to bed at night and that sort of stuff he felt uneasy going up the stairs in in the dark or whatever and um, my brother's quite a tough guy and so it's out of character isn't it yeah definitely for him to for him to feel this and way and he's so, a joker anyway so he'd probably make light of a lot of it exactly you know normally yeah soon after this him and his wife were in bed asleep and Alex started to have dreams and he would have dreams where this woman would be standing in the shadows. He didn't know anything, just this woman standing in the shadows, but would be in a, in a number of his dreams. And then one night, both him and his wife woke up at the same time, having had a dream where this woman had appeared and was screaming in their faces. They both woke up at the same time. They both woke up with a start and they both described exactly the same dream. Now, I've heard of this a couple of times of people sharing dreams, but it's not something that's common, is it? No. So that obviously got them then thinking that there's something a little bit more to this. Now, Ashley is a Wiccan, and in fact, her family are as well. So she started to then go around the house with pots and pans and burning incense and doing this Wiccan ritual to try and... Cleanse. Cleanse, exactly. That was what I was going to look for. She was going to try and cleanse the area. And after that, she certainly felt that things were a lot quieter. And for a time it was. And then Alex started to then notice that things were happening again and and that there were the dreams and everything. But as well as that, one night when he was in bed, he felt something pull his hair. He didn't know exactly. It could have been Ashley maybe turning over. Maybe she had a watch or a bangle or something on and she caught his hair maybe as she turned over. He put it down to something like that and really didn't think much more of it. But then... A couple of nights later, 
It pulled his hair with such force that it actually woke him out of a deep sleep and he turned over to find that Ashley was laying on one arm and her other arm was the other side. So she was facing away from him. She was laying on one arm and the other arm was under her pillow, the other side. Right, yeah. So there is no way that she could have pulled his hair. He again spoke to Ashley, who's again a lot more proficient in these sorts of things. And she decided that it would probably be a good idea for him to try and communicate with whatever it was, whatever the spirit was, and to try and find out a little bit more about what was going on. So she showed him how to use scrying stones and, and a, I think a pendulum and what have you. And he used that to then ask questions. He found out that it was a female spirit, that it wasn't angry at anything in particular other than the fact it was a bit aggravated at being what it felt was ignored. Uh, it didn't want to harm them or anything like that, but it was, again, a little bit disappointed that they were in its space. So he sort of, through this mechanism had a conversation with it and said look you know we don't mean you any harm and things I think have calmed down again but it was after him telling me this and after him who as we've said is someone who doesn't necessarily subscribe to this subject having these experiences that made me think I wonder if other family members have had this as well and then you came up with the idea of actually getting everyone on the show today so that's what you guys can look forward to after that Obviously, we are going to make our regular stops in with Richard Lenny with his UFO report. And then later on, the author Ruth Roper Wilde will be sharing her paranormal report with you. Let's go where it all started, where this podcast began. Oh, my God. Where the seed that was the fetus of Shelley was born. Oh, my God. Within... <laughs> within my mother. Wonderful. Hello. Hello. It's Hi. your it's your favorite Hi. son and Hi. and and your favorite daughter-in-law. Hi, <laughs> my darling. <laughs> she can't argue with that because we're on air. See, yeah. so she's she's got to agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. You? Good. Yeah, good. Thank you very much. We called because we wanted to know if you had any weird, wacky, and wonderful stories you'd like to share with our listeners. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I have. She's a born yeah. showman, my mum. Go on. <laughs> well, I missed that, but I'll catch it later. <laughs> um, when I lived at home in London, in Dulwich, we had a few things happened in the house that we lived in, and we lived in that house for many years, the whole family. In fact, before we lived there, my auntie lived there. As the years went on, we came across various little unusual things that were happening, so we assumed by all that we had some presence in the house that weren't necessarily of this world, but never any problems. But a few things happened, one particular thing that was very unusual. We had a kitchen and off the kitchen was, I suppose you'd call it a utility room now, but we called it a scullery. We had a stick that when we used to, I sound very old when I'm saying all this, but I'm not really. <laughs> it's just what I remember from people telling me. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was what they called a popper stick. And it was a, it was a bit like a rolling pin. It was a long piece of rounded wood that you used to use, or my mum used to use, to push the washing down into the bowl. It was worked a bit like a Wa sort of washing a like, Washing like laundry washing. 
laundry washing. It, it worked like an agitator would in a washing machine, pushing it down in the sink. And we used to have pipes around the sink, and this this stick was wedged down the back of this pipe. And we were sitting in the kitchen one evening because we often used to spend a lot of time in in the kitchen and singing and doing all sorts of cards and all that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, we heard this huge bang, cluttering noise, and it was it was a really loud bang. And on the opposite side of the sink was the cooker. So we got up, and it was this copper stick that had literally lifted itself out from behind the pipes and thrown across and hit the cooker. So it was a metal noise, wood hitting metal. So that that was the one thing. So how's it? Sorry, go on, Bella. Was it heavy? Very heavy. Mm. It wasn't as heavy as you know. My rolling pin is a um, is it marble one? Yeah, you got a marble one. Very heavy, but it was heavier. Heavier than the normal old wooden rolling pin because it was a solid piece of heavy wood that Hard was, I wood. suppose, about, yeah. about a foot long or a bit longer than that. But, yeah, it was very heavy. And how far do you think it travelled? Well, the room must have been about 10 foot long. Wow. wow. So, you know, or if I'm exaggerating, at least 8 foot long because it was the length of the room. So the the sink was one end and the cooker was the other end. So there's no way it could have just fallen out from wherever it was. This thing had to be had to be thrown. No, it had to be thrown. It had to be it had to be thrown. There's no way that it would have landed by the cooker because the cooker was the other end of the room. Wow. So that was quite an experience to uh, wonder how that had happened. The other thing we had as you walked down from the front door. It was a mid-terraced house. We had a long corridor that took us past the lounge, past what we used to call the back room, which was another sitting room or could have been used as a dining room. And then you'd go down the rest of the corridor. You'd pass the the coal cupboard, which we stored all the coal in there. And on, on the opposite side to the coal cupboard was what we called a lobby. Now, there was actually a door there that went out into the courtyard of the garden, but it was locked, completely locked, never used. So we had a coat rail, and we must have had hundreds of coats in there that were never, ever used, and probably back from Victorian times because we never cleared it out. But it was a good place for the kids to hide if ever we did hide-and-seek because there were loads of coats hanging in there. So you couldn't easily get to the wall that petitioned the kitchen. And very often, if we were sitting in the kitchen in the evening, we'd hear just these knocks Mm. on the wall. And we knew, as time passed, we knew every time we heard that, we'd hear of somebody that had passed away. Somebody that we knew, or somebody within the family. That's weird. Yeah, and it, it, it did. I would say it happened a lot, but, I mean, it happened several times. So that was really unusual, but that was the main happenings I can remember. I was the youngest of four girls uh, and one boy, and I'm sure my sisters have got some tales that, that I know they've related to me that they will quite happily tell you about. But when we moved, and I got married and we moved, we moved to Wales, 
And the first house we lived in, there, there didn't seem to be anything happening in the second house we lived in. But the third house that we lived in, the bedroom, the main bedroom, was in the attic space, if you like. And there were several times where there were unexplained noises. In fact, the one day, I remember, Shelley, you were living with us at that time, and I remember coming in from work, and I walked up the stairs, and, and it was difficult to say whether Dad would be there or you would be there. And I remember walking up the stairs, and as I walked up the stairs, there were no lights on. It was a winter's night, a winter's afternoon, and so it was dark quite early. And as I walked up the stairs, I could hear somebody, because in the dressing room, which we had changed with cupboards and everything, but initially it was just an extra little attic space off of the bedroom with lots of clothes hanging on rails. So it wasn't, you couldn't see clearly. So it's almost like a walk-in wardrobe, wasn't it? Yeah, a walk-in wardrobe. But it was quite dark in there. But I, I could hear this walking up and down on the floorboards in there. So without thinking about it or questioning it, I just called out, Hi, Cheryl, are you home? Is that you? And there was no answer. I said, Eddie, are you there? No answer. So by this time, I'm thinking, I need to put some lights on. So I put the light on in the bedroom and gingerly walked across the bedroom floor. Come on, stop playing games. I was so convinced somebody was in there. And I just, I think I picked up a, a shoe or a something that would have been no use whatsoever. I'm glad it, I'm glad it wasn't <laughs> me winding you up. Well, if it, if it had been you, I'd probably picked up something a bit heavier. To make <laughs> point. But anyway, so I walked into the uh, dressing room, nothing, nobody, nothing. So that was very weird. And very often I'd be lying in bed and I would definitely hear as if someone was walking up the stairs. Same house? Same house. Mm. And there was one more occasion, which was very, very frightening. And that was, I was asleep. To my knowledge, I was asleep. And all of a sudden, I felt as if something was on top of me. And... I was struggling, but I couldn't move. I couldn't I couldn't get away from this lying position that something was holding me down there, and I don't know what it was. And I, I just remember in the end when, when I could speak, I just shouted, get off, very loud, which I won't do now. I have a very loud <laughs> voice. I won't want to deafen you, but I shouted as loud as I could, get off. And with that, I was released. That was quite frightening because anything else I'd experienced wasn't in any way aggressive or suppressing me in any way. But that one, that one did did make me wonder quite what that was. But, um, mm. Yeah, I'd so, had to change the sheets after that. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know it was very weird. Very weird. I uh. mean, I did say, you know. Are you home, Eddie? But he didn't answer, so I knew it wasn't him. <laughs> so it's uh, it's very, very weird. Ah, wow. But, yeah. But nothing in the house that you're in now? No, and yet this house was built in the 1800s, and at the moment, nothing, 
but I'll I'll look into the history of it. And uh, but no, there's 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 been and there's been nothing I'm aware of. I I think someone else can talk to you about something, but I haven't experienced anything here. Okay, and who uh, would that someone else be? <laughs> yeah, it, it it may be the man I live with, my husband. Ah, right. Would that also be my father? <laughs> it, yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> It better well, be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's an, that's for another show. Um, <laughs> well, thank you very much, Mum. That was recounted very well. Well done. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, yeah, if you want to put Father on the phone, that would be that would be amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> Pass you over now because of your time, and I'll speak to you soon. All right. Thank you. Cheers. All right. Love. Bye. 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 Hi, Dad. Hi. You all right? Yes, thank you. Mum has told us that you've got a story to tell us as well. She dropped you right in it. <laughs> right, okay. Well, this has only happened once, thank goodness. <laughs> I was probably about 15, obviously sleeping in my parents' house in my own bedroom. And I can only presume that they must have been at work. I must have been working nights or something, so I was in bed when they were out. But the bedroom was dark, curtains were pulled, and I just recall, I thought I woke up, and I'm looking to my right over towards the door, which was open, but it was quite still, still quite dark in the bedroom. And I honestly thought I could see the figure of somebody, somebody as tall as an adult standing there. I was absolutely frozen. I couldn't move. I couldn't call out. Uh, I was trying to get up, but my stomach, I couldn't move at all. I was absolutely rigid. I can't say how long it went on for, but uh, it obviously seemed like an age at the time. But I was really, really nervous because I thought there's somebody got in the house. Somebody's going to come and attack me. I just could not move at all. Uh, Whether I was half asleep, I really don't know. But quite traumatic. And when I woke up, my clothes, you know, in the bed and that were absolutely soaked. Wow. Obviously, you you know that your, your heart rate goes up if you're suddenly petrified about something. And I was, I was just trying so hard physically to get out. I couldn't even move my head off the pillow. I was absolutely rigid. We've heard but a lot then, of this, haven't we? Yeah. A lot of these yeah, sorts well, of stories. It's only ever happened to me once, thank goodness. And I, I presume that it was some form of some of a dream. I don't know. But um, the house that we lived in was built around about probably 1930s, something like that. And um, this would have been, what, 50 50 odd years ago, I suppose it happened. So I'm not aware of anything happening in the house before we bought it, unless unless something had, I don't know. But yes, uh, quite spooky, really, and not something that you want to happen on a regular basis. You can't you can't move. You just you can't believe how your body is just completely locked and you can't even speak. It, <laughs> it sounds like a classic case of what's termed sleep paralysis these days. That's where essentially your mind starts to wake up before the part of your brain that controls the autonomy of you know your movement, etc., isn't actually at that stage yet. It hasn't woken up yet, so your mind is still in the dream state, if you like, and that's yeah. why people will see apparitions and right. you're unable to move because obviously your body shuts down the majority of movement when you're sleeping because otherwise there's a risk that you'll act out your dreams and obviously thrash out. So well, not only that, your body actually does put itself into some sort of thing where you you don't move as much your movement's a lot more limited when you're sleeping so that you stay asleep and yeah you know because i i'm just you know i 
probably always had been. I'm a terrible fidget in bed. I'm, you know, I can remember we put the children to bed, especially uh, uh, our daughter. I mean, she'd be in the same position in the morning as she was when, she, when we put her to bed because when she was about three to five years of age. She just didn't move at all. But me, I'd be thrashing about in bed all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one, one other thing. I mean, we, where we live now, the house was built in 1860. So it's a... An old cottage, but obviously the interior has been refurb. And you obviously get creaks and things in old houses. And one of the things that does creak in this house is the stairs. But we've lived here for over a year. I've never known the stairs creak unless I've been going up or coming down or, or my wife has. And so this one day when um, my wife wasn't here, she was in hospital. And so I was sleeping upstairs on my own. And it was probably about half past 12 at night very quiet and all of a sudden I could hear the stairs creak absolutely just as though somebody's coming up the stairs I mean <laughs> so much so that I, I sat up I put the light on I was waiting for more sound there wasn't any more sound but I thought that can't be right so I actually got up and I went all around the house putting the lights on thinking somebody's got to be in there's something happened here because I have never heard in the about the year and three months that we've lived here I've never heard the stairs creak like that unless somebody like myself coming down or up the stairs or my wife coming down or up the stairs so that was that was really spooky i mean i checked everywhere even out looking out in the garden putting the lights on outside and yeah mm. just uh unusual really unusual makes you wonder if some of the times when you've heard the stairs creak and it isn't actually one or the other view it's just something else <laughs> yeah well because i because i tend to go to bed earlier than my wife you know i i might be upstairs and um i'd be an hour hour and a half maybe before she comes up to bed so i suppose subconsciously if i'm half asleep and i hear the stairs creak i know she's in the house my mind says it's a safe sound but of course when you're there suddenly on your own completely on your own and obviously i was waiting for the phone to ring as well because uh, she was in hospital uh, having some observations done and I said when you're finished just give me a ring and I'll come straight and pick you up so maybe my mind wasn't completely switched off because I was waiting for the phone to ring mm. but then to hear that sound I said, it just never happened before you know because suddenly my mind was telling me this isn't a safe sound but there's no one else in the house now <laughs> Yeah, it's not your not your wife coming upstairs. It could be somebody else. I wonder how many things happen every day that we actually discount as something explained, because yeah. we assume, as you said, that it's someone that we're living with, or you yeah. know, it's it's a bit of machinery, or it's a neighbour, or whatever. If you, if you live close, and yeah. really, it's you know, it's not. I, I mm. suppose we probably explain a lot away without really understanding fully what it is. Yeah. Well, Mum's said to me a few times, uh, even recently. Uh, did you hear that noise? And I said, in the, I know, we were both like upstairs um, going to sleep. And I said, no, definitely heard a bang. She said, There's, I heard a bang, definitely. So we've got up and we've looked out the window and we've come downstairs and checked outside in the garden. So, you know, maybe I was in a deeper sleep at the time than what she was. But, mm. <laughs> but I suppose that sometimes you put it down to the fact you're living in something that was built like 150 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's slight movements that we don't even know about, you know. Yeah. It certainly, um, it makes you think anyway, especially when you've always slept in a house with other people. And now suddenly, at that moment for those that day, I was in the house at night on my own. Yeah. yeah. So then when you hear creek and you think that's the stairs what's that what was that and you, you, you 
you won't go back to sleep. You won't just turn over and go back to sleep. You've got to, you've got to investigate because you think, God, somebody's broken in. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. well, it's a good job mum wasn't there because if she was, she'd have taken them out. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said to me. Yeah, she said, "Oh, were you worried because I wasn't there?" Yeah, she said, "I would have sorted them out." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, one one quick tongue lashing and they'll be gone. Won't they? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Listen, thank you very much for uh, sharing those stories with us. We're making our rounds amongst the family today, giving them a ring, finding out what stories they've got. So, yeah, thank you for taking part. No problem. Good All right. Cheers. All right. Bye. Love to you. Both. Love to Bye. you. Bye. 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 Well, I reckon I'm going to be learning a lot about my family today and the stuff that's gone on that is just out there. Oh, uh, I already know one thing. What? They're just as weird as you. Now I know where you get it from. Thank you very much. It's all in the DNA. <laughs> okay, let's um, let's shoot across to uh, my youngest daughter now, shall we? Okay. All right. Let's give Sophie a ring. Hello. Hello, Sophie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We are good. Thank you very much. Obviously, Bella's here as well. Hi, Soph. Hello. So we wanted to find out if you had any weird, wacky or wonderful stories. Obviously, we know that wonderful is because I'm your dad, but anything other than that? True. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) I've had sleep paralysis before, so I thought I'd talk about that. Okay, cool. I went to bed that night. Nothing was like different that day or anything. And I started to have a dream about being in a supermarket when I work at. And I was just shopping around as normal in my dream. And this woman like made eye contact with me. She had a trolley. She came right up to me and started pushing her trolley into my stomach. And mm. I looked at her and I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you pushing your trolley into me like that hurts she said i can't stop he's making me and i went what do you mean there's no one around you or behind you or anything so she pointed to her it was like her left hip and i could see that there was a hand on her hip there was no like body there or anything there was just a hand and yeah very It was like pushing her very forcefully. Like you could see that it it was really like pinching her. So in my dream, I took my left hand and I hit the hand off of her side. The hand then grabbed hold of my hand Mm -hmm. and started squeezing really hard. Like it was painful. And then this is the point where I woke up. And I knew I was awake. I couldn't open my eyes or anything. I could not move. My heart was beating really fast. But I knew I was awake. So could you look and around the room and all that sort of stuff? My eyes wouldn't open. I could not open my eyes. Wow. But I knew for a fact that I was awake. I, d- I don't know how I knew, but I just knew. I guess you can kind of tell when you're awake or not. How long did that last for that you couldn't move? It was well over like a solid minute. Oh, that's got to be frightening. Seem like long. No, yeah, it's it a long time like, in those like circumstances. Like long. Yeah, exactly. So this hand was just squeezing my hand really hard, like to the point where I could like feel the bones inside of my hand like touching each other. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so after about a minute or something, I was able to then open my eyes and move and the hand had like stopped squeezing my hand. 
And I looked around my room and there was absolutely nothing, obviously. Was your hand hurting? Yeah, it like it felt really like stiff and kind of bruised. But I didn't necessarily feel scared when I woke up. Not when I woke up because I was awake, but like when I was able to move and I opened my eyes or, or something, I didn't. I didn't feel scared necessarily. So the fear only lasted with you while you were unable to move. Yeah. So what did you initially think then when you woke up and you had that feeling that you couldn't move and that your hand was being squeezed? Did you think there was someone in the room with you or, I mean, what was going through your mind at that point? I had a feeling that something would be in the room with me, but I obviously knew that it wasn't my mum or my brother or anything. I'm not sure. I just, I just felt scared at first but I sort of thought to myself well okay this is continuing so I just need to calm down and just let it play out yeah and eventually obviously it it left you yeah wow well I've had occasions of sleep paralysis I've had it three times now and it is really frightening every time it happens I mean it's not anything that ever you know in that moment you are absolutely petrified yeah so I know that my dad has had something similar happen to him you've now obviously mentioned it and I've had it so I wonder whether it's something actually something that's hereditary it runs in families yeah mm. don't know it could be it'd be interesting to find out yeah all right thank you Soph. really appreciate you taking part in this today we will carry on and make the rest of our calls okie doke thank Thank you you very much no worries love you babe bye so bye love you bye sleep paralysis seems to be a big thing in your family i reckon it is Hmm, i wonder if that's hereditary well yeah that's what we said i wonder whether it is because yeah i told you a long time ago that it's something i had and i've just found out today that my dad had it i didn't even know that Sophie had it as well. Yeah. So and and theoretically, that could have also been part of what was happening to my mum that time when she said that she was in bed and felt True. that there was yeah. something in the room. Could have been the same sort of thing, couldn't it? The old hag thing, as it used to be called. People used to see people in the room with them, didn't they? Mm, you're not calling your mother an old hag, are you? I wouldn't dare call yeah. my mother. And if you did the that... The fact that you should even mention that <laughs> now means you've got much bigger cojones than I have. Because <laughs> I think if you said that... I wouldn't say it. You would never become an old man. I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say it. (laughs) I'm not big enough or hard enough. (laughs) Okay, let's head on now to Sophie's older sister, Vicky. All righty then. Hey, Vicky, it's your incredibly good-looking father and uh, lovely stepmother here. Huh. Yeah, that's what Hi. I was thinking. <laughs> you all right? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, we're good, thank you. We just wondered if you had any weird, wacky, wonderful stories you'd like to share with us. Yeah, I do. And it's actually quite a recent one. Okay, cool. We like recent. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it was probably about two years ago, uh, maybe three it was in uh, Nan and Grandad's old house now. And that house always really like didn't settle well with me. It always gave like it always gave me weird feelings whenever I was alone in that house because Nan and Grandad let me borrow it quite a few times um, to have my friends over whenever they were on holiday. It would always there would always be like random sounds going off. I would hear things move. I would hear things go bang. And it would always like that that house just terrified me. And it was actually I was sleeping in the extension that was built before Nana and Grandad built it. I was just laying there and I felt like I was facing the wall and I felt like I was being watched. And so I turned around 
And this was probably about middle of the night. I'd already been asleep. I'd woken up and I felt like I was being watched. Turned over and I just stared like at the door and the wall. Um, There was a little bit of light coming in because, like I said, this house terrified me. So I left the whole light on. And I remember seeing a figure of a lady just walk through the door into the room that I was in and just kept walking out into the back garden so she walked through the door and then straight into the back garden through the wall wow and then behind her walked another little girl none of them like knew I was there they didn't look at me a little girl walked through as well and she was looking behind her as she was walking and then a little dog just followed her as well and I remember thinking oh (laughs) like that's terrifying I didn't feel terrified like I didn't feel scared I felt totally fine but I remember thinking once it had happened oh my goodness that was absolutely terrifying do they look solid yeah they look like actual people they they look mm, I wouldn't say solid because it was it was still quite dark the light was coming in I don't know I I feel like they but you couldn't see through them I mean it was they looked like they were really there yeah they looked like they were really there obviously I knew they weren't there and yeah. like I knew they weren't real people, but yeah, it was, I don't remember seeing faces. I don't think any of them had faces. It was just, they were dressed in older clothes. I remember the first woman was wearing like a white robe and then the little girl was wearing a red coat and then the little dog, it was like a, a dash hound sort of like little tiny thing. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know about this. <laughs> well, I told Nan and Grandad about it and they just was like, oh yeah, things like that happen. Like they've, they'd heard noises and stuff like that before, but they'd never seen anything. So they weren't really surprised. But Well, we've yeah, just spoken that. to mum and dad on here, but mum has just told us of a few things that happened in that house. So yeah, quite interesting. I mean, I stayed in that house for a couple of years, probably about three or four years. And I don't, really recall anything major sort of happening to me i can remember noises and although well i know of something that happened there and it was before we were living together and used to call on skype yeah and it would we'd have it connected you know all night. night yeah and i was looking at the screen because there was movement, so it was in the corner of my eye so i looked and i was asleep you were in bed asleep and there was a woman behind you yeah. Well, I didn't want to tell you about her. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, because yeah. I woke you up. I woke you up yeah. right after that because it just happened. And I was like, because I think the first thing I said is there's somebody staying there because there's somebody in the house. Yeah, crazy. Absolutely Wonder crazy. I if it was the same woman. Could have been. I just know she was there, and then I like sort of was like, what? And then it was gone. Well, let me tell you, if there had been a bloke in my room, I'd have reacted totally differently. (laughs) Let me tell you. Let me tell you. (laughs) Anyway, Vic, thank you very much indeed. That's all right. How's your lovely daughter, my lovely granddaughter? She's totally fine. She's downstairs having lunch right now. She's not long woken up from a nap, and I'm currently painting a bedroom. Oh, lovely. Okay. Go and let well, her help you paint. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> all right. Well, you take it easy. Thank you very much indeed. And really appreciate your time with us. That's all right. Anytime. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 Well, who else are we going to pick on today? Well, I think it, a day is never a good day unless I'm picking on my Auntie Kath. Too true. Because there is very few people in the world that can take a joke 
as well as Marty Kafkan. I don't think she takes the joke. She just ignores you. It's well, better that way. She she can honestly. Me and my brother have given her such grief. Oh, I know some stories, but I won't recite them here. Well, no, we threw her in the shower fully clothed once uh-huh. and switched it on. Shut her in there and switched it on. I mean, she just she's just a really good laugh. And then one time you yanked her pants right off, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, she was stood in the kitchen one day and I came up behind her and she had, <laughs> she had pajama bottoms on and I yanked them down <laughs> expecting that she had like panties on or something and she was talking she was talking to my mum and dad in the kitchen and I just yanked them down and she didn't have anything on underneath (laughs) and I was faced with her backside that I will never forget well at least it was the butt crack and not the other right (laughs) yeah exactly yeah oh bless her she is a good laugh let's give Auntie Kath a ring Hello. Hello, Auntie Calf. How are you? You all right? Hello, me old cocker spaniel. How are you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> me old cockaleeky mate, flap sparrow, cockney rhyming rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> you all right? Yeah. By the way, just in case you ever wonder what Dick Van Dyke should have sounded like, here's my Auntie Calf. yeah so we're phoning everyone today just finding out any stories that they may have had which may seem unexplained or paranormal or weird wacky and wonderful so have you got anything i have i must have been about 18 when i lived in dulwich in london east dulwich and i think your mum must have been away dancing because we used to sleep in the same bedroom so i went to bed one night as normal and I was a little bit afraid of the dark, so I didn't used to open my eyes if I could help it in the night <laughs> because I'd heard noises in the house before and I, I, I was a little bit scared. So mum and dad were in the, in the bedroom next door to me. That's anyway, nan and granddad, went, yeah. Yeah, nan and granddad, yeah. And I went to sleep and something made me wake up in the night. And I woke up and I did open my eyes. And as I opened my eyes, I could see something at the end of the bed. So I sat up, and as as I sat up, there was this apparition of a lady at the end of my bed with her hand stretched, her arms stretched out to me, sort of, and she was smiling. So I thought, is that mum? I thought, that's no, not mum. And she sort of just was floating almost. And I just thought, you know, was a little bit scared, but I just sat there looking. And she suddenly came round to the side of my bed, and I was right then rigid in the bed because I was now really scared. And she floated past me uh, like she was on casters, and she floated out through the window, still looking at me, smiling. Wow. That's creepy. That gave me goosebumps. Look. She has. She's, she actually come out in goosebumps. <laughs> well, I, I called out for mum because I was then really scared. And she came in the bedroom and said, what's the matter? I said, I think I've just seen a ghost. She said, don't be silly. I said, I, I do. She said, well, what, what did she look like? So I said, well, she had long white hair. She had a long nightie on. And I told mum exactly what happened. And she said, oh, you no need to be scared. That was Auntie Ada. So I said, Auntie Ada. She said, yeah. She said, 
She actually died in this room. I said, oh, thanks. Thanks very much for telling me. <laughs> yeah, actually, right there where you're lying. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, so that that was one experience. I've had many experiences in that house. Another night, uh, we had a lady that lived next door, and she had not long had a young baby. Right. And I was in the bedroom, and this was actually daytime, and I was in the bedroom, and I heard this baby really crying, and her, the lady's bedroom was sort of on the opposite wall to me, to my, my bedroom wall. So I sort of, I went downstairs, I said to mum, God, I said, her baby's really crying next door. So she said, can't be. I said, well, she said she's gone away with the baby. Oh. She's not in. I said, but I just heard her in the bedroom. I heard her crying next door. She said, she's not there. She's gone away with the baby. Wow. That was another thing. Wow. So I don't, I couldn't, couldn't really understand that. But there was lots of weird things and things going missing in the house. And that's classic, isn't it? Stuff just coming yeah, up missing. Well, it's funny because I ended up buying the house off of Mum and Dad when they moved to Cornwall, and I had the house practically gutted and redone, and I never had any experiences after that. Wow. Well, it's funny because a lot of people actually say that when they start having work done that that's actually when the activities start to heighten, almost as if you are disturbing the spirits, if there's any there. But from what you're saying, uh, when you had all of that done, from that stopped it all. I had the house, yeah, I had the house modernised, decorated, and from that day onwards, I never experienced anything in that house. Maybe that's when they realised, hey, wait a sec, this isn't our house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this isn't my house anymore, yeah. yeah. But it was a friendly ghost. It wasn't a, a nasty ghost or a poltergeist or anything. But there's other experiences that your mum could tell you, I expect, that she had in there, which was a bit more poltergeist-ish, if you like. We've spoken to mum. All she right. told us about the thing that you used, that wooden pole that you used in the... Oh, the laundry stick, yeah. We used to yeah. use it in the, in the pipe. Yeah, that came flying out one day, so... Uh... Well, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that as much as there's science that tells us that this is the laws of physics, that sometimes, you know, there's things that happen outside of that that we can't explain. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, people say to me, oh, I don't believe in ghosts. I said, you won't until you see one. And, you know, I know that that something exists because I saw saw it. It was as plain as a hand on my hand in front of my face it was really... <laughs> as plain as the hand on my face yeah, yeah i nearly said as plain as the hand on my wrist i meant as plain as the hand in front of my face very clear she was very clear the thing is a lot of people say they don't believe in stuff like that yeah but then if you ask them a little bit more well haven't you ever had any weird thing happen yeah and then they'll go oh well yeah with well, this one time yeah you know yeah it's true it's true Brilliant. Our next stop is Auntie Margaret. Oh, so okay. we're going to give her a ring now. She's just. Oh, she keeps it clean. <laughs> yeah, so do I. So do I. Goodness me. There's only so far the explicit rating goes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I've been very controlled. I'm very impressed with you. I've got to say that. We, we've been good today. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm pleased to hear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, there's, there's younger members of the family that might listen to this. So we've, we've tried to keep it clean. Absolutely, yeah. yes. It's, it's difficult to try and rain Bella in sometimes. Oh, but, um, yeah. Yeah, see, you were going to then. <laughs> Lovely. <Yeah. laughs> Thank you very much, Auntie Kath. You take care. Okay, Love you no loads. Worries. Bye. Love you Cheers. too. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Right, the next person we're going to speak to, I actually call Bumpy. And the reason for that is, is that she texted me one day and rather than type in Maggie, well, she may well have typed Maggie, I don't know, but her phone <laughs> auto-corrected to Bumpy. <laughs> I've called her ever since. Okay. So anyway, let's give Bumpy a call. <laughs> Hello, Bumpy. How are you? Bumpy. Hello, my darling nephew. <laughs> How are you doing down south in Cornwall? You all right? <laughs> well, we've been shopping this morning and there's more holiday makers than there are local people. Really? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, they don't care about coronavirus, do they? They'll no. travel anywhere. That's right. God, goodness me. <laughs> well, we're doing the rounds today, only virtually, so we're not spreading any kind of virus. But okay. we are doing the rounds just asking members of the family if they've got any stories that are a little bit sort of like weird, a little bit out there, a little bit paranormal maybe. Have you yeah. got anything? Yes, I have, Shall When your granddad died, I received a call from Nan, and uh, it was the early hours of the morning, approximately 2 a.m., to say that Dad had passed from a heart attack while he was in bed. So Ray and I went straight over there, and it's only less than five minutes away. I went to see Dad, and I people might think it's weird, but I got into bed with him and gave him a cuddle. No, I don't think that's weird at all. I wish I'd just have had the say, chance to do that. Just to say goodbye to him. Yeah. Some weeks later, Ray, Uncle Ray, went out for a drink and I went to bed quite early. I turned off the light, but I couldn't sleep because obviously thinking about different things. And you know when you're aware that somebody gets in the bed next to you? Yeah, yeah. The bed sort of, well, the mattress dips down and the light was off. I couldn't see anything. And I thought Uncle Ray had come back from the pub and I said it's all right love I'm awake you know so he obviously wouldn't have wanted to disturb me yeah well I didn't get any reply at all and I thought this is weird so I put the light on and there was nobody there oh there was nobody there at all and I felt in my heart that it was your granddad's way of letting me know that he knew what I had done yeah, I think you're probably right. I think he was maybe trying to give you that cuddle back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I felt. And it gave me great comfort because I thought he knew what I did. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I think that's a beautiful story. Yeah, and it stays with me now, you know, because I think obviously when you're in bed and somebody gets in next to you, you you're aware of the bed moving. Yeah. And it was so vivid, and I wasn't asleep, so I wasn't dreaming. So I just think it was wonderful, and if it helps other people to know that that sort of thing can happen, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. And a lot of the stories that we've heard today doing this yeah. all seem to point to the fact that, you know, there's something definitely after all of this. And I think that we need hope. People need hope. Absolutely. You know, so Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful story. It really is. Okay. That's a lovely one to end the stories Show. that we've heard today with. Yeah, no, it really is. And I'm sure he was giving all of you a cuddle as well. I'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, my love. Thank you very is much that indeed. Okay? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely welcome. brilliant. You take care. Love to everyone. Love Bye. to you. Bye. 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 Bye.
Well, we've heard some cracking stories there, haven't we? Yeah, and see, like, it's not something most people really talk about, is it? It was really interesting because a lot of these stories that we've spoken about today, I wasn't even aware of. Yep. So we talk amongst ourselves and we even host a flipping podcast. And we don't know. And yet, (laughs) you know, sometimes if you have these conversations with your family, it's really interesting to find Mm -hmm. out actually there's more going on than you originally thought. Yeah. No, it was pretty cool. Well, I'd like to thank all of my family members that got involved in that today. That was really, really cool. We literally just gave them very little notice. Okay, let's carry on with some other cool information. That's going to be brought to us by researcher Richard Lenny. Right, yep. And also by the author of Ruth Roper Wild. Oh, okay, yeah. Hi, and welcome to the Weird, Wacky, Wonderful. This is Rich Lenny speaking to you from somewhere on planet Earth. Today, I'm going to be talking about three things. The first thing is uh, to do with missing 411, which you probably all know about, people that go missing in national parks. Well, done a bit of research um, a few months ago, and I found out there's a complete tunnel system underneath these national parks in America, now we're talking about, in the USA, and where the tunnels seem to meet seems to be where the most people go missing. So these tunnels sort of correspond with the the mass disappearances in national parks, Yosemite being the worst one of all. Well, I've done a bit more research since then, and I've got something else to tell you. I find this... uh, pretty interesting. When you check um, earthquakes, there's a website you can go on to that gives you the up-to-date earthquakes, um, because obviously there's earthquakes going at some point throughout the whole world. A lot of them are sort of just a, you know, like a 2.3 or a 3.2, and it's way, way down in, in um, in the earth. But it still, you know, still gets picked up. And, uh, Doing a bit of research, you'd think that a lot of these earthquakes, or the majority of them, would be on fault lines. I mean, that's common sense, right? Well, they're not. The majority of earthquakes um, in America, we're talking about now, guess where? Yep, national parks. State parks. How strange is that? So we've got people that mysteriously disappear, literally, they can be right beside you, you know, your sun late afternoon, early evening, because apparently the majority of people go missing, it starts around about four-ish, and they don't know why, but that seems to be the time that people seem to go missing, and then it goes on into the evening. So we've got that going on, also on top of that, we've got what I've discovered is this tunnel system, which I believe was put there um, by the military years and years ago. So are the people being taken and dragged down into these underground tunnels? But on top of that, we've now got earthquakes going on, which the majority, I'd, I'd say probably from my research that I've done, I'd say 72, 75% of all earthquakes at the moment are coming from state parks or national parks, not from your normal fault lines, like in California and places like that. 
Now, I think this means something. I think these two or three things are connected. I think people disappearing in our national parks in America with the tunnel systems underneath, which do match up almost exactly, 90%, to these earthquakes. So there's something definitely going on there, and it all links up. Anyway, that's my uh, theory on that, that they're, you know, that these three things going on in national parks is something, they're all connected in some way or another. So we'll just have to keep on doing research and see what we find. On to the second one, which is um, to do with the warehouse in Beirut, which exploded. Now, there was a fire that started, and then a little while later, the whole warehouse exploded. And of course, it was like a, a bomb going off, but like a nuclear bomb. We had a mushroom cloud and so on. Well, just before it explodes, there's this video which shows an and it is a UFO, an unidentified flying object, okay, coming towards the warehouse. It looks grey in colour, dark grey, almost black. It starts off looking spherical, then it goes into a square, then it goes into a triangle, and it stays in a triangle until it disappears into the warehouse, and then literally the warehouse explodes. So I put it up on my Facebook page, okay, and I said that basically... Um, a triangle UFO flies into the warehouse and then the warehouse explodes. About three days later, Facebook put a stamp over it saying it wasn't completely accurate. And um, basically what they've put is this. Um, they said, uh, let's get this right. I put triangle craft or triangle UFO, a triangle-shaped UFO flying into the warehouse in Beirut, which then explodes, is now being called a bird by an expert on Facebook. Now, I don't know who this expert is, but this is the message that Facebook sent me. Um, and this was slapped onto my posted video. Now, you can still watch the video, so obviously I'm going to give you guys the link. So you can watch it, and you can still see it. But they're saying that this triangle-shaped UFO is a bird. If this is a bird, it's a bloody big bird, okay? I mean, we're talking a huge bird. It's not a bird. There's no flapping wings. I mean, I've been doing this research now uh, for a very, very long time, and I've got to the point now where I can almost say within 30 seconds whether that something coming out of the water is either A, a sphere, or B, a bird, okay? And I know, by the way, acts the way it looks, it doesn't matter how near or how far away it is, I'm pretty 99.9% .9 of the time correct that if it's a bird, I'll say it's a bird, if it's not, it's not. This is not a bird, okay guys, it is not a bird. I don't know what it is, I'm not claiming to know what it is, but it's definitely, I know what it isn't, and it's not a bird, okay, so basically that's that. I thought I would just put that in there, but obviously I'll put a link down below anyway, so you can... Uh, you can see for yourselves and, you know, have a look and see what you think. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a triangle shaped UFO, which basically sh shape shifts. Um, I mean, could it be a missile? I don't know. It's a bit of an odd shape if it's a missile. I'm not saying it's extraterrestrial. I mean, it could be somebody firing something from somewhere a long way away. You know, it could be a drone. But it was definitely something, and it wasn't a bird anyway. So, and I put triangle-shaped UFO because, as far as I'm concerned, that's what it was. Now, the final thing I want to talk about today, 
is something very interesting, and I think you're going to love this. I work with a guy who comes from the United States. He's lived over here in the UK now for quite some time, married an English woman. Now, he's got a brother who's six years older than him, and obviously he's American as well, and I believe he still lives in America. Now, the three of them, I believe, went to the same school because um, this third guy is a friend of theirs, and his brother was more friendly with him um, than the guy I worked with called Chris. Now, Chris told me this a couple of days ago. He said, Rich, I was chatting on Facebook with my brother and this guy that they've known for years and years, who now works at NASA. Um, but they still chat to him, obviously. You know, they still talk to him. They've been friends for years, so not a problem there. And Chris then came around to the point about have you seen Richard Lenny's Facebook page? Because he's got a particularly interesting video on there. Now, the video I want to talk about is basically, going back last week, John Wilson, you probably all heard of him. I do a lot of research with John. He's got a powerful telescope, which he uses to not only check for uh, deep space stations, which he's found, by the way, which I'll talk about in another episode. And obviously, he sees lots of other stuff as well. But he also tracks uh, UFOs, um, mainly these spheres, which we call extraterrestrial drones, because we don't think there's anybody inside them, but we do know they're intelligently controlled, and we do know they're not from us. And we also know that they go into space because we've tracked them, and we've seen them coming off our moon, and we've seen them going towards our moon. Anyway, I was on the phone with him uh, last week, and it was in the morning, a beautiful day it was here in the UK, blue sky, and he said to me, Rich, Rich, I'm seeing these spheres every about seven minutes. There's one going over. I'm going to start recording them for you. Are these the spheres that you see? So he starts recording them and then sends them to me on Facebook, and they are. And, of course, in the daylight, they're normally white. They're very white. But they can also look dark grey as well, depending. You know, if it's, like, cloudy and they come out of the clouds, they'll be dark grey because of the shadow, I suppose, from the clouds. But on a beautiful sunny day, no weather, these things are beautiful. They're spherical. They're, I'd say, probably about the size of a very small 60s mini, but in spherical form. And they're white. And they were going over John's house. Um, and, yeah, and he, and he was just recording them and sending them to me. And I said, yes, those are the um, spheres that I see. And then um, Chris, from the guy who I work with, um, obviously he'd seen the video. So he said to his friend, who works at NASA, have you seen this video that Rich has put up on his Facebook page? And now, they've been chatting probably for about an hour on Facebook, going backwards and forwards and everything. As soon as he told his friend from NASA about this video that I've got up on my Facebook page, it went completely dead. There was nothing more from this guy. And he was going, are you there? Are you there? What's happened? Are you okay? And there was nothing, absolutely nothing. Now, that says a lot, doesn't it? I mean, he wasn't even going to come back with, oh, he's probably caught a drone or he's, you know, it's a balloon or... He just didn't say a word. It went completely silent. So, guy from NASA, he's been chatting to him, no problem at all, everything's fine. He then tells him about this video on my Facebook page, which he obviously must have sent across to him to have a look at, and it just went completely dead, nothing at all. So there you go, silence. 
it says a thousand words, doesn't it? And I'm going to leave you with that on that note. So um, until next time, this is Richard Lenny speaking to you from somewhere on planet Earth. And it's good night. Good night. Hi, everyone. Hope you're all keeping well and safe in these strange times. I'm starting with an apology for two things this month. Firstly, if there's any extraneous sound on here, I'm sorry. I've got the window slightly open since it's 33 degrees today. Bit high for good old UK weather. And secondly, apologies if I stumble a little in my speech at all. I had a posterior vitreous detachment in my eye last week, which has left some large floaters in my vision. The optician says they'll go away in time, but since one of them looks like a spider dangling on a web right in front of my eye, I feel like one of those paranormal videos from CCTV cameras, where there's a blurred so-called entity right in front of the lens. It makes reading and pushing recording buttons at the same time slightly tricky, and I keep getting distracted because I think I see something moving. Not helpful for a paranormal researcher. So, paranormal news this month seems to have heated up a little, no pun intended. Our first story comes from a family in Bahati, a small town northeast of the Masai Mara Reserve in Kenya. They say they need spiritual intervention to fight off evil spirits that have been haunting them for the past three weeks. Simon, the householder, claims that the spirits set their house on fire twice recently, but they managed to put the flames out with the assistance of their neighbours. He told reporters, My wife left the house early. At around nine o'clock I was on my way out when my daughter called me back saying there was smoke in my bedroom. I rushed back and found my bed on fire. At first he thought maybe their iron's hot plate had been left on and fallen on the bed, but he located it on the shelf, not plugged in and stone cold. His neighbour, who'd come in to help when the alarm was raised, was dubious of any possible paranormal explanation and immediately started looking for faulty wiring or any such normal source of fire. They checked all of the appliances in the room, finding them all properly stored and switched off. They retired to the sitting room, and as they were stood there talking, a second bed, this time in the sitting room where they were standing, also caught fire. The neighbour rushed to put it out, but again could find no rational explanation for it. The son has said that he has seen shadow figures walking around the outside of the house, even in daylight, and the family has now called on their local church to come and help them by blessing the house. In the article, there was a photograph of the burned bed. The strange thing about it which caught my eye and intrigued me was how similar it looked to those old photographs you sometimes see of spontaneous human combustion. The photograph shows the bottom corner of the wooden framed bed with the foam-filled mattress and bedding on top of it. The fire had burned a defined hole of maybe 12 inches across through the bedding and the covering of the mattress and the foam dripping right through to the floor below. There were dark piles and specks of thick soot below the bed and scattered for a few feet around. The fire had clearly burned hot enough to go right through all of that, yet it had barely scorched the surrounding bedding and the wooden side and footrail of the bed, merely inches away from the epicentre of the fire. Back in the UK, the Daily Mail carried a report about a mother of three who believes her home in Warrington, Cheshire, is haunted. She says she knew she had a presence in the house because keys vanish doors slam and once a vase smashed inside the house even though no one was near it. On another occasion the taps all turned themselves on. She says that she always feels like she's being watched when she's at home and the house does not have a comfortable feel to it. Recently she was posing in her bathroom mirror and took a photo to post to friends on her snapchat. She posted the photo immediately without properly looking at it. When she did later look to write a caption on it 
She says she was horrified to spot the figure of a haggard-looking old woman crouching in a corner behind her. She and her family have tried to recreate the photo and debunk it that way, but with no success. She's worried now, because last year, when Halloween trick-or-treaters came to the door, one of the young lads told her he loved the decorations she'd put up, especially the creepy old lady at the upstairs window. She says, I think the figure in the photo looks like an old lady. Nobody I know has died recently, and it doesn't look like anybody in my family who has already passed. I think it is the old lady that little boy was speaking about last Halloween. To me, the photo looks like it could possibly be a classic case of paradelia. If you enlarge the photo and then scroll up and down, the creepy-looking face comes in and out of view as the angle changes. But there again, that might be taken by some as being proof that there is in fact something there. My next story actually comes from the research for my next book, These Haunted Times Volume 2, which should hopefully be out towards the end of the year. In Barnet, just north of London, there used to be an old pub called the Red Lion. It was a very old building and, like many older properties, had become very run down over the years. I spoke with Phil, a former manager of the property. He told me that in 1985, he went in as the new landlord, as the company who owned it gutted the whole downstairs area of the pub and made it into a trendy trendy new nightclub-themed fun pub called the Dandelion. The name was a play on words. Dandelion be the name of a British wildflower and also meaning a dandy, someone who dresses up in fine clothes to impress. The builders were the first ones to notice something odd about the place. They would ask Phil if the building was haunted, saying they kept seeing someone move out of the corner of their eyes. It was particularly noticeable in the new bar area in the pub, near where the original stone stairs were from when the pub was an old coaching inn a century or so earlier. Now, Phil himself moved into the upstairs flat in the property, along with his Rottweiler dog. There were false walls erected to create the area for the flat and to wall off the older parts of the building that were going to be left unrenovated. The dog, whose purpose was to guard the property and help with rowdy customers and was therefore no shrinking violet, often used to sit and stare at one wall in the flat and bark at it as if he was sensing something he didn't like. That wall was the one which blocked off the oldest part of the building. Some mornings Phil would walk into his kitchen to find that the plugs for the kettle and toaster had been flung out of the wall sockets with enough force that they were dangling over the edge of the kitchen counters on the ends of their cables. He had it checked out by electricians but they couldn't find anything wrong and nor could they find any explanation for how there had been enough force to actually fling the plugs out of the sockets. Phil decided he'd better get it looked into and invited two mediums to come and visit the property. The mediums established that it was a girl called Maggie Entwistle, who died in the mid-1800s. They told him that she had snuck up the old stairs to peek into a Masonic meeting that was taking place in the large room up there, but was spotted and ran down the stairs. As she ran, she missed her footing and broke her neck in the subsequent fall. Now at this same time, one of the bar staff had just given birth to a baby and felt like she was being followed home. Her mother was watching over the baby one night, and saw the misty figure of a woman standing over the cot. The mediums were sure it was just Maggie being curious, and that there was no ill intent. Phil said that he called the second medium out to do a cleansing to make the staff feel happier. He said he was standing near the doors of the old disused ballroom upstairs, while the medium did his work, and all of them felt a sort of whoosh go through them and out of the room, and after that they never had any more bother. Now those of you who know me, know that I can never just leave a haunting to one account and that in all my books I follow the same methodology of trying to find correlations. 
For this property, I found or was given a few accounts from when it was the Red Lion. One witness said that a weird thing happened to her in the ladies' toilets. A door flew open and there was a sound of flushing, even though no one had come into the room. Another witness reported seeing a grey lady in one of the rooms there. And several people remarked that they had heard the story of the ghost being that of a young girl who was caught out when peeping at a Masonic meeting when she shouldn't have. One witness recalled being shown round the upper disused floors, this was before the renovations, and how creepy they were and unnaturally cold. I also came across another version of the haunting, which said that during the late 1700s, an 18-year-old girl had stayed at the coaching inn. She opened a wardrobe door and the corpse of the previous guest fell out on top of her. There is also another version of the story that Maggie, now listed as a blacksmith's daughter, crept up the stairs and eavesdropped on two guests who had been making lewd comments about her. They caught her and chased her, and there is speculation as to whether she fell down the stairs or was pushed. It's interesting that there are several versions of that tale in circulation, and spanning over quite different time periods. But it's also interesting that the spirit is always female, and seems to be related to those back staircases. Finally, I always like to leave you with an anniversary haunting if I can, so that you can go and ghost hunt for yourselves. And please, please let me know if you capture anything. My email is, as always, wa-1400 at outlook.com. This story is from my book, The Almanac of British Ghosts. This haunting is a little easier for you, as it can happen on any night in the month of September, apparently. There are two different versions of the stories concerning probably the same ghost. Some versions say the ghost can most often be seen on September nights. Others say it is specifically at midnight that you need to be there. St Botolph's Church in Boston, Lincolnshire, is a beautiful piece of architecture with stunning tiered tower. Why it should have earned itself the slightly sad-sounding nickname of the Boston Stump seems incredible, but there it is. The tower of the church can be seen for miles around, from the flat fenlands which surround this ancient town. The ghost is the spectral form of a lady falling to her death from it, and some say with a baby clutched in her arms. Now, one version says it is the ghost of Sarah Preston, who was unfaithful to her husband while he was away from home and invited a sailor into her bed. From from him, she contracted the Black Plague and the virus quickly, quickly spread, killing hundreds in the town. Horrified at what she'd done, she ran to the church and flung herself from the tower. The second story is is that if you run around the church tower three times, the ghost of the Grey Lady will appear and fling herself and her baby from the tower. She was said to be a young widow, so distraught at losing her husband to war at a young age in this life, that she resolved for herself and her baby to become a family with him again in the next, but instead, as a suicide, is doomed to repeat her act in limbo forevermore. Some versions have Sarah Preston also clutching a child as she jumps, so it's hard to tell where the edges of those two legends have blurred over time. One of the church vergers allegedly saw the ghostly grade lady walking down the aisle whilst he was working in the church in the 1950s. And in the 1990s, the church organist was working alone in the church late at night recording his organ music. He was playing late at night in order to minimise extraneous sound on the delicate recording equipment he was using. However, on playing the taping he'd just made back, he was horrified to hear the clear sounds of footsteps approaching, even though he knew for certain that he was alone in the church. In January 2012, the local paper published a photograph of a strange light seen on the second balcony of the tower at night, which some thought looked to be in the form of a lady. And very curiously, the church tower was once found to be the culprit 
for a radar echo that the RAF were picking up in relation to a UFO sighting which had been reported to them. Well, that's all for this month. Don't forget to get in touch and let me know your own experiences. Thanks for listening. Once again, they blow my mind with some of the information that they come out with on there. Yes, me too. I I actually wound Ruth up, by the way, this week because she sent or she tweeted out about the fact that she was struggling to get her piece in in the time allotted for the for the show this time yeah and she tweeted it out i replied with that's okay because i can just speed it up and you'll sound a bit like a smurf but it'll fit in <laughs> <Or a> chipmunk <laughs> <laughs> and and so she when she sent it through she said do not make me sound like a smurf <laughs> you don't know how much i really wanted to do that <laughs> Thank you once again for listening to the show today. Thank you to all of my family who took part. Really appreciate that. So you heard from today my mum, my dad, my daughter Sophie, my other daughter Vicky, my auntie Kath and my auntie Margaret. Thank you all for your stories and for participating. That's been absolutely amazing. Don't forget, if you want to find out any more about us or our shows, then you can go to www.weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. You can also hit us up on Instagram and Twitter and also on our Facebook page. You have no excuse whatsoever for not getting in touch with us. If you have any stories, then please submit them to us via mail at weirdwackywonderful.co.uk and we will include it in a future show, should you wish to do so. So just get in touch with us. We'll give you a call. We'll record it. We'll all have a nice bit of fun and it'll appear on a future show. Anything okay. else from you on that side of the desk there? No, I'm I'm all talked out. Really? Yep. Wow. I wish it was that easy <laughs> normally. Okay. Everybody, don't forget, please remain weird, weird wacky, wacky and, and wonderful. wonderful.